0: Enter into the teaching of the word. All right, would you uh, join me by standing? Let's stand for this reading. Sometimes we stand, sometimes we sit. Uh, we don't stand um, uh, ceremonially, and we don't sit ceremonially. Sometimes I just feel led to stand. Other times I feel led to stay seated. Today is one of those let's stand one more time days. Luke chapter sixteen. Luke chapter sixteen, verses nine through twenty. Nine through thirty. One Verses 19 through 31, uh, Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. So we started this teaching last week. It's going to be last week, this week, and next week. We're talking about certainties of, of life, certainties of life, assurances of our faith, certainties of life. Um, uh, we're looking at this story that we read, this parable um, that Jesus taught uh, the, the Pharisees of those times, the audience of that time, as well as us today. And the Lord has put in my heart six points with regard to this teaching and we've just broken it up over three Sundays. Here our our, our way is always our thought behind teaching on Sundays is that our Sundays should change our Monday. so that's our idea right we we, we got to receive the word of God, apply to our lives and that word applied to our lives changes our Monday changes, our week changes the way that we live. And encouragement is good for the moment. An encouragement is good for the moment, but a scriptural teaching, a word of God, the Logos, will change our lives forever. And the church says, Certainties of Life, Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Son remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things but now he is uh, in comforted now he is comforted here and you are in agony and besides all this between us and you there is a great chasm uh, has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross from there to us he answered then i beg you father send Lazarus to my family even if someone rises from the dead. Father, you have spoken to my heart throughout this week as I have prepped and reviewed the teaching for this morning, and it has laid in my heart heavy. I pray that this morning it would also lay in the hearts of your people, that it would resonate deeply within us, Lord, that we would remember uh, certainties, of life, some things that are, are sure that we could hold on to, assurances of our faith that we could hold on to, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that the teaching would resonate with us and it would change our lives forever. We pray in Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. You may be seated. I want to say the church looks beautiful this morning as I look upstairs and look around and see so many wonderful families uh, here this morning. Certainties of life. Last week, we shared a thought with you with regard to this parable. We said that this is probably not this is probably not a clear depiction of what would happen after we're here. On Earth, I know some you know feel like this is well, how it's going to look like, but I don't think that Scripture affirms that. I don't think that fr- Scripture affirms this as a clear de- pic- depiction of what will happen um, after our time here on Earth. Because there's some things, some occurrences within the parable, of the story that that are, are not affirmed in Scripture. We always say that Scripture hermeneutics teaches us that Scripture interprets Scripture, right? So there's some things, for instance, uh, Lazarus the beggar. He has access to the same place that Abraham did. Uh, Why? Because he was poor. It seems that the poor got to the good place and and, and the one that was not so nice or the rich got to the place of agony. And that's not how we get to heaven or how we get to hell. Everything has to do with salvation in Christ Jesus. So uh, we we look at the story and and it, it doesn't seem to be a clear depiction of what will happen after time. Also in scripture, we're reminded that there's punishment after judgment. Here it seems that there is a punishment right from the beginning, also we see that there's conversation between both sides, and, and that doesn't seem to be affirmed anywhere else in Scripture. but we know, we are, know that Jesus was intentional in bringing this parable, uh, this uh, teaching, and we know that, that the parable is a way that Jesus taught. You know, religious and moral lessons using stories that the audience were familiar familiar with, or something that had to do with their customs, or something that would really resonate with them. So he would use these stories to bring a moral teaching, a religious teaching, a spiritual teaching, and draw them to truth using these stories. So here, Jesus he uh, shares this story of this. Poor man, this beggar, Lazarus, and this rich man, Um, which his name is not even given to us. We believe that he was Hebrew-Jewish. Why? Because he was able to recognize Father Abraham. So it gives us belief that he was perhaps a a Pharisee or a Hebrew person. Uh, But we know that he was Hebrew, and it seems to us that Lazarus the beggar was a Gentile, just reminding us that uh, the gospel is for all people. And we see this here, and we see that, um, one, uh, the poor man makes it to the place of, of eternal blessing, uh, uh, the place of being comforted, while the rich man ends up in a place of agony. There's separation, there's an abyss between them, a big pit. Uh, they cannot uh, reach each other, but they were able to communicate. And there is something that Jesus is trying to teach the audience of that time and teach us as well today. So there are six points that I want to share with regard to this sermon. We shared two last week. If you weren't here, you can always go back to our um, Facebook page or uh, YouTube or our website and hear that. And today I want to share two. But quickly, the two that we shared last week one was how we treat others. All oh, matters. You guys remember, that encourages me. Uh, how we treat others matters. And we see that uh, the the teaching of the parable is letting us know that the rich man was not kind to Lazarus, and that's why they ended up in two different places. And I uh, share with you throughout Scripture, and we looked at different stories in Scripture and different verses, that let us know how we treat others has an eternal impact. I think that's really important. How we treat others has an eternal impact. Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples, by how you love one another. And we talked about the story of the Samaritan, and then we shared other verses with you, because how we treat others matters. And the second point that we brought last week was there are two roads in life. And we shared that there was a road of agony and a road of eternal blessing, and Scripture uh, uh, confirms that over and over, that there are two roads. In the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says there's a, there's a wide road and a narrow gate. He reminds us of this. Uh, Jesus also reminds us at the end times in Matthew chapter 25 and 24, there will be separation of the goat and, 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 and of the sheep, letting us know that there are two roads. And, and we affirmed this over throughout different ways, and we said, hey, This story is letting us know that there are two roads. And the church says, today I want to share two more with you, two more with you. What can we learn from this scripture? The first one I want to share with you this morning is God sees all things. God sees all things. When we look at the story, he saw the suffering of Lazarus. He saw the need of Lazarus. He saw the need, he saw the suffering of Lazarus, he saw the position of Lazarus, he saw where he was located, and God sees all things. He also saw uh, um, the rich man, how unjust he was. He saw his prosperity, he saw his selfishness, He, he, he saw the rich man's feasting and partying, he saw the injustices, right? It's a reminder to us, when we look at this story, there is a clear reminder to us that God sees all things and the church says Amen. God sees all things there's an attribute of God that we all love and we've quoted so many times and it's God is omnipresent right that God is in all places in all times in all seasons that God sees all things he sees the success he sees failure that God is present all the time and I love the omnipresence of God, because it doesn't have to do only with location, but it also has to do with emotion, all right? He's, he's there with us present in our sad time, and he's there present with us in our happy times. He's there present with us in our time of, of, of celebration of life, and he's there with us even in our time of mourning, like our dear brother Gene is mourning the loss of his father this week. But how many know that, that God's presence is with Gene this morning, right? See, God is, is omnipresent. He, he is there with us at all times, at all seasons, in all places, at all circumstances. You know, uh, God sees all things. He sees when you and I are trying. He sees, man, I'm trying to do good. He sees it, and he sees when we're not trying as well. He sees when we have failed and fallen in sin and and we're not doing well and he's seen when we've overcome temptation God sees when we are faithful man I'm faithful doing this and doing that I want to I want to encourage you and know to know that God sees it and he sees when we're not so faithful he sees when we've done the right thing and he sees he sees when we have not done the right thing why because nothing escapes God Nothing. He's omnipresent. All times, all seasons, all emotions. He's always there. In fact, the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. We're going to share three verses with you really quick. Confirming this, Proverbs fifteen three: The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He is in all places watching the evil and the good. When we walk God's way, God's always there. And when we didn't walk God's way, he was still there knocking at the door of our hearts. Psalm, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where should I flee from your presence if I send to the heavens you are there? If I make my bed and show you are there. There's no, pla- there's no high place that God cannot be and there's no low place that God cannot be. In our lives, we've got high places and low places and God is in both those places. God speaks to the people through the prophet Jeremiah and he says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? declares the Lord. No. Uh, do I fill the heavens and the earth? declares the Lord. In other words, my presence is in every nook In every corner, in every place, my presence is there. In fact, one of Job's friends came to encourage him, and they told him this, for his eyes are on the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. I want to encourage you here today, and I want to remind you here today that there hasn't been a season in your life where God was not there. Even when you weren't doing that good, he was still there. You know, we were told that like when we were young, hey, if you go to a bad place, God is with you. But when you're about to enter that door, God stays outside and you go in on your own. That's what we were told. I mean, I understand the illustration kind of like putting a little fear in us, like don't risk it. I understand it. I appreciate it because it kept me in line, right? Um, But the truth is that even in our lowest and darkest moments, God mourned over us and God cried over us and God was was inter- Jesus was interceding on our behalf is what scripture says. Why? Because he's never not present in his creation. He, the scripture says he upholds creation. In other words, he is present in every place, in every time, and he is interested in each and every one of us. His omnipresence reminds us that he is so personal that he upholds the world with his hands, but yet he is imminent. Imminent means that he could abide in those most smallest places, and he abides in your heart, in your heart, in your heart, and in my heart as well. That's who he is. He is omnipresent. Man, God sees the good we do. He sees what's going on in our life. Perhaps you're here today, and you're like, God sees me. I've been, I've been asking him for something. I, I've been praying about something. I want you to know that he hears your prayers. And you hold on. And you wait for the Lord. He's not absent. He's, uh, 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 he's attentive. And when we are not receiving what we're asking for, that's his grace letting us know it's not time yet. It's not the best thing for you at this moment, though. You may think it's the best thing for you at this moment. Ruth was saying that on Friday night. God is holding back because it's not the best thing for you this moment. Because he sees all things. And I want to encourage you. You continue forward. God is omnipresent. God sees how you have forgiven those who have hurt you. God sees how you have loved, God sees how you have served, God sees how you have prayed, God sees how you have treated people. Uh, I want to encourage you, don't stop doing the right thing. You are not wasting your time. God is omnipresent and he sees all things. He sees all things. Others may not see it. Uh, The pastors, we definitely don't see all the good that you're doing. Your Sunday school teachers may not see it. Your mentors may not see it. All those around you may not see it. But you stay faithful because God is omnipresent. He sees all things. To those who serve in the church... I want to encourage you, continue to serve as the Lord has put it in your heart. Don't let no one discourage you from doing what God has put in your heart to do because God sees how you have served him by serving his people. He sees how you serve him with no interest but simply to be a blessing to God's people and to grow in his grace. So I want to encourage you, God sees what you're doing and you continue to do it. God sees the motive of your heart and the reason why you've made these decisions and the reason why you're doing what you're doing. You continue forward and God sees. For those who have prayers and petitions before the Lord, God sees your prayers. He sees your tears. He sees how you love Him. You stay faithful because God sees all things. And the church says, I love that we can say that God sees our past even when we were... In a bad place, he saw our past, he sees our present time, he sees what you're going through right now. He sees what you're going through right now. He he, he sees your present moment. He sees your, your present circumstance, whether it be sickness, whether it be financial hardship, whether it be decision time, whether there's transition in your life. God sees your present circumstance. And how awesome is it that God's omnipresence reminds us that he's also present in the future and he can see our future as well. And I love that about God. That he sees my past, he sees my present, but he also sees my future. And I love that the prophet said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. In other words, the Lord said, I have seen your future and I am leading you to the plans I have for you. And they are good plans to bless you and to lead you so you stay faithful because I've seen your present, and I've seen your future, and I won't allow you to be tempted more than what you can bear, but I'm always going to give you a way out that will lead you to exactly what I think is the greater good for your life, for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, for all that is before you. Because I've seen your past. I've seen your present. I've seen your future. I'm omnipresent. I see all things. And the church says... Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning? Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we're talking about certainties of life. Talking about assurances of our faith. What can we learn from this parable? As we look at the parable, we can absolutely see that, that God sees all things. He saw the good and he saw the bad. Our second point this morning as I want to share with you is there is still time. There is still time. I love that in verse 27, it says, uh, he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. You know, the scripture there is reminding us that the rich man's fate um, is not our fate. By saying, hey, go, go back and encourage my brothers, he's letting us know that there's still time. The teaching here for us here right now is that there's still time for us. How many thank the Lord there's still time? Right. I've always said this from this altar. And we all, as the church, we look forward to the rapture of the church. We look forward that the Bible says that one day the trumpet will sound and, and the church will be raptured. And we will find ourselves in the clouds and we will celebrate eternity with Christ. And, and, we, we, and we look forward to the day that, that, that uh, our salvation is complete. Redemption is complete, but... What if Jesus is not to come during our lifetime? Every generation after Jesus had thought that they were the last generation. Even the apostles thought they were. What if Jesus doesn't come in our lifetime? How awesome would it be to enjoy a lifetime of being a soldier for Jesus all the days of our lives? I, I know that I'm, I'm not always going to be a pastor. I know that I, I, uh, there will be transitions in our life. But man, can, can I look back and see four generations of my family, see my daughters with, with their families and their children, and in my grandchildren's hands, their, great, their children, which are my great-grandchildren, that the Lord would give us that type of life, and to look back and see them all serving the Lord. That we would have used our time well. Used our time well, there's still time. The Bible reminds us that we should manage our time well. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Oh, we're reminded to manage our time well. Manage our time well. Look at what the psalmist said. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. In other words, he's saying, help me use my time well, that it would be a place of wisdom. And uh, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. I'm reminded that there's still time. And the Bible teaches us that God has entrusted us to be managers of our time. And the Bible tells us that we should use our time well. We still have time. How are you using your time? How are you living this beautiful life that God has given you? I want to encourage you. There's time. Time to be at peace with those around you. Time to be at peace. We don't have to be in quarrels with everybody and in conflict. I love that the Bible says make every effort to, to be at peace with those around you. Isn't that awesome? If you're in conflict with somebody, make every effort. Uh, uh, deny yourself what you must deny yourself. Eat humble pie if you got to eat humble pie, but make every effort to be at peace with those around you. That doesn't mean that you have to go out to dinner with them every Sunday but that that you can see them and love on them, that you can see them and want the best for them, and that you can see them and you can bless them. Uh, That's how God looked upon us in our worst moments. He wanted to bless us, that we use our time that way. There's time. There's time to live out the call in our lives. You know, God has placed gifting in every one of us. I want to encourage you. If you are a part of the ECC family and you, the Lord has put gifting in you, I want to encourage you to live out the call in your life, to use her time well, to enjoy the people God has placed in your life. Oh, to, to use. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. Most of you know that. I love to be around people. I hate to miss a party. That's just who I am, right? I see a party on Facebook and I wasn't invited. I can't believe they didn't invite. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Um, enjoy your time well. Enjoy with your family. Enjoy with your friends. Enjoy with your church family. If you're doing this alone, you're, you're doing something wrong. Enjoy if you're looking to just find the perfect place, well, you're just gonna be so discouraged every time. But if you're willing to receive people with their imperfections and know that they'll receive you with yours, you could enjoy life with people. God has been intentional in the family that you're in. He's been intentional in the spouse that you have with the spouse that you have married, with the children that you have, with the church that you're worshiping in. He's been intentional because it's the best thing for you. Enjoy the time. Uh, Let us use our time to grow in our relationship with God. To grow in our our relationship with God. To grow in understanding of scripture. To grow in our faith. To mature. I love that the apostle Paul says, leaving the elementary things behind. Moving forward to to the next thing. Stop uh, drinking milk, but there's solid food for us. To move on to the next thing. Let us use our time well. Let us not use our time and be lost in addictions and and things that bring shame and regret. No, let us use our time well. Let us not use our time holding grudges and, and, and holding on to anger. No, let us use our time well. What is noble? What is excellent? What brings a positive return? Invest your time, your emotions, and your energy in those things. We still have time it is time to make peace with God and live a way that God has called us to live maybe you're here and you're struggling in your faith and you're like I'm battling Uh, I want to encourage you here today you don't have to be in conflict with God you can be in peace with God uh, through the salvation of his son Jesus Christ that will forgive you of all your sins And it doesn't mean that you will be perfect, and it doesn't mean that tomorrow you will wake up with a halo around your head. It means that you're going to start a journey that will be less of you and more of Jesus in your life. You're going to start that journey. It will be progressive. It will be a little bit at a time. But I promise you that next year this time, you'll be better off than you are today with Jesus in your life. Use your time to make peace with God. As I was meditating this week and the Lord led me to these verses and I, I shared it with our leaders. and our, We have a closed group for our, our leaders and I shared it just encouraging them. But I wanted to just bring it here as a thought because it ministered to me. In John chapter 17 verse 4, Jesus is at the end of his earthly ministry. This is important to understand. He's at the end of his earthly ministry. He's about to get arrested and Calvary's about to begin. And this is his prayer to the Father. He says this, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus said that. He's he's about to enter into Calvary, so his earthly ministry is about to come to an end. And he says, I glorified you on earth, talking to the Father. "I, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, I'm going to preach on this verse in the future, and I told our leaders, when I do preach on it, can you just say amen like it's the first time you heard it? (laughs) But just for illustration of this sermon here this morning, if I could have a little bit of liberty with this verse, you know what Jesus was saying? I used my time well. I finished what was entrusted to me. I glorified the Father and I finished what was entrusted to me. I used my time well. This is another great reading in, in the Bible. The Apostle Paul at an older age, his ministry is coming to an end. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What is he saying? I used my time well. Oh, I hope and pray that that when I get to an older age, if the Lord would give me life, that I could look back and say, oh, I used my time well. That I'm leaving a legacy, that I'm encouraging others, that my children and grandchildren and the Lord would allow great-grandchildren, that they're they're doing okay, that the Lord allowed us to encourage others and mentor and teach, and, and there's a legacy that is being left. Man, I've used my time well. I hope and pray that that you also have a burning desire within your heart to use your time well. It's not about titles. It's not about positions. It's not about sermon. It's about an influence that God has given us to advance the kingdom of God forward in this time, in this time. I hope and pray that you would use your time well. We must remember that one time, one day, our time will, will run out. It will run out. James chapter 4 verse 14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what is your life, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Our time will run out. It's a gift given to us today but our time will run out. Our time on earth is not forever. If Jesus is to tarry, um, then uh, one day he he will call us from the ground, from the dust. He will call us from there. Our time will run out. How have we managed and used our time? You know, I think about living and using our time. As As I close our teaching, the musicians could help me close our teaching this morning. I want to encourage us that we would use our time well, that there would be no regrets. No regrets, right? That we could live a, a life of no regrets or minimal regrets. I'll finish with this verse. I need to bring it to a close. John chapter 9, verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day and night is coming when we can... when when no one can work. In other words, to remind it to us, our time will come to an end. Take advantage of the time we have right now. And the church says, so we're talking about certainties of life. We're reminded God sees all things. He sees all things. Nothing escapes God. Nothing God has seen how you have persevered how you have prayed. God has seen how you have uh, 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 just done your best to do well. God, God sees it. And continue forward. God is not absent. He's there. God sees all things. And this teaching also reminds us that right now we still have time. That we would manage our time well. That we could use it well I love the words of Jesus. Father, you have been glorified. That God can be glorified. And you and I can be blessed. We can be blessed. And the church says, Would you join me by standing this morning? Perhaps you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you. I'm sharing certainties of of life. This is absolute. God is omnipresent. God sees all things. Uh, Maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart to really lock in, to really recommit, to make you covenant, to know that you don't got to do it by yourself because God is omnipresent. You don't have to do it by yourself. He's there. And He knows your past, your present, and He sees your future. And He's got good plans for you. You can do it with Him. Use your time well. And there, we'll always see God glorified, the Father glorified, and the blessing is for you and for me. If the Lord has ministered to you this morning and you'd like prayer, as I close in prayer and the worship team joins us, the altar is open. I would love to pray for you this morning. If you are far from God and, and that resonated with you, with you when I said you can have peace with God, reconciliation, your life can be different this time next year. You will enter into a process that is less of you and more of God and that's what you need. Doing it your way, you found yourself broken and angry and depressed and alone and you're saying, I need an answer. Jesus, he is the answer. And because there's still time, you could have peace with Him today. If that resonated with you, I'd love to say a prayer of salvation with you this morning or a prayer of reconciliation with you this morning. One that will change your life forever. As we sing this song, the altar is open. We invite you to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Father, we thank you for this time together that we have had. I pray that our Sunday would change our Monday Help us to apply your word to our lives and lead us in all seasons. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.